Hey, hey, Jay here. By the end of this year, 2019, I will have two new podcasts. Two. Now, obviously, they're not all going to be like Unthinkable, where this show is kind of like my public laboratory, my home base audio style, if you will. But those two new shows will be live, and I'm going to syndicate them right here in this feed. So you'll have the option of listening here to both of them, or if you want to get each one separately, they're each going to have their own feed. One of those shows is with a brand that is advancing creativity in the workplace and helping people make a living on their creative craft. So we will partner together and launch a show for them. And the second one is going to be an exclusive series for Marketing Showrunners, which is the media company that I lead that helps marketers make better shows, podcasts, and video series. So both of those shows will appear here and Unthinkable, uh, but you're also going to be able to get them separately. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because today I want to do a very different style Unthinkable episode. You're not going to hear any other voices. You're not going to hear any post-production music, that kind of stuff. It's just going to be me talking through the most widely read concept I've ever written about because I think it's the most widely frustrating and the most commonly encountered problem that we as creatively minded people face in our careers. And it's something that I look back on early in my career, I sucked at it, and the ability that I now have to to overcome this idea is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the reason I'm able to do creative work for a living, quite frankly, and I'm super grateful for it. So I want to talk through this concept, which is all about why we explain our creative ideas to other people incorrectly. And I call this problem the green smoothie problem. It's weird, it's important, it's every day. It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking in our work and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Akunzo. So here's a question for you. Have you ever excitedly shared an idea with a teammate or a boss or a client that met with such horror or confusion as a reply that you wonder if you accidentally blacked out and suggested we all go clubbing baby seals? No, just me? Okay, well, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Look, we've all delivered an idea to somebody else where we feel total conviction that our concept is objectively the right path forward, and yet we can't seem to convince others. They just don't get it. This is arguably why we created something next month in November of 2019 called Make the Case Month. This is me and the team at Marketing Showrunners on our site, publishing content exclusively to help marketers and marketing leaders make the case internally to make better shows. If you want to launch a podcast or a video show or improve yours, you have to navigate internal meetings, internal idea pitches. So that's Make the Case Month coming November 2019 on marketingshowrunners.com. But the reason we're doing that is because we all encounter those issues where we're convinced and others don't get it. So why? Why does that happen? Whether you're trying to pitch a show or any idea. And more importantly, how can we fix that issue? Well, it starts with diagnosing the real problem. We assume that maybe a boss is old school or that we need more resources or that our company or industry is just too boring for others to get on board with our creative ideas. We assume that and we assume a lot more. But the real underlying issue below the assumptions is that it's so much easier for us to understand our ideas than for anyone else to do so. In other words, every time we share an idea, we create a kind of information divide between us and them. That divide is what I call the green smoothie problem. 
imagine I just handed you a green smoothie in a glass, like, uh, like this one right here. <sighs> okay, I hand you a smoothie, it's in that glass, it's bright green, and I say to you, here, it's a green smoothie, drink it. How might you respond? I think most frequently you'd have one of two possible reactions if you've never encountered a green smoothie before. Either number one, you'd rely on preconceived notions, or number two, you'd rely on social proof to make sense of this. Okay, number one, preconceived notions. First, you might rely on your own experience with this or something similar to this smoothie. So if you've tasted or even just seen a green smoothie before and that appealed to you, great, you might drink it. If not, you'll start anchoring your thoughts to whatever other preconceived notions might be swirling around your mind that I don't quite have access to. You might say, oh, uh, I think I saw people at my gym drink this once. This is like a, a wheat germ or wheatgrass shot, right? No, that's gross. Not for me. Thanks, Jay, but no. Or maybe you'll be like, oh, uh, this looks like my kid's favorite juice. That's too sweet for me, so pass. Or perhaps, ah, I've tried these healthy drinks before and they're all terrible. No, thank you. So you anchor to things that are your preconceived notions. All right, number two, the second possible response if I just hand you this green smoothie, social proof. If you don't rely on your own preconceived notions, you might look for proof that this is a credible drink. You might wonder, do people really drink this? Is this popular? Do studies show that it's good for me? Are celebrities endorsing this drink? Is there a green smoothie case study you can show me? Sound familiar? Why, when I simply place a green smoothie in front of you and command that you drink it, are you reacting in one of those two ways? Because you're looking for confidence to make a final decision. Confidence comes from having the right information, which I didn't give you at all. So now you look for your own preconceived notions, your own firsthand experiences to draw confidence and make a call. Are they the right firsthand experiences or the most relevant to make a good decision? Not necessarily, especially if I want to get you to do something new, different, or creative. But you need information to make a final choice here, and so you turn to your own history for that. And if you don't have your own history, well, you look for everyone else's. That's social proof. This is not a great way to get someone else to try something new, to get you to buy into my idea, right? Here's the thing, though. This is not your fault. I've actually put you in that position. By merely handing you the smoothie and commanding that you drink it or hoping you think it's a good idea, I've jumped way too quickly to the end result that I want, the final idea. Drink it. As soon as I've started explaining my idea poorly, I've put you at an information disadvantage. See, we present our ideas really quickly. We leap right to, here's the idea. It's a green smoothie, drink it. Unfortunately, while that's how we present our ideas... The way that people understand them is more linear. In fact, in our eagerness to sell in our idea, we too quickly arrive at a conclusion that others haven't gotten to quite yet. We have to make our ideas seem like the logical, obvious, and best choices, and whereas we've gone through that entire process already, consciously or maybe subconsciously, the people we're trying to persuade are still at the beginning of that process. So to catch up to us, they use the best information available to draw confidence and make a final call. And if the best information available is not provided by us, well, preconceived notions or social proof. We think our job is to share our idea. It's not. Our job and any successful explanation of any new idea is not to share our ideas. 
is to share why our ideas should exist. In other words, rather than allowing others to default to what they feel is the best information to gain confidence quickly, preconceived notions, or social proof, it's our jobs to hand them better information before we give them the idea itself so they can make the right choice, the choice we are convinced is the good one. We shouldn't just hand them our ideas. We need to hand them that better information to make a decision around our ideas. We need to close that information divide, avoid that green smoothie problem. So how do we do that? We can rearrange the order in which we share our thinking en route to the idea. We can share why our idea should exist, then reveal the idea itself, rather than leap to the end as we so often do, and lose people. Back to my smoothie metaphor for a second. Rather than tell you, it's a green smoothie, want to drink it, what if I said this? Hey, uh, remember last week when you told me you wanted to be healthy? And then you joked about how all those foul-tasting health drinks are everywhere and you can't stand them? Well, here's what I did. I got some mango, some apple, some kiwi, a banana, a handful of kale, and some protein powder. Also, I went on this island vacation last year and my bartender used coconut oil in my drinks and it was delicious, so I got some of that too. Oh, and by the way, we have a blender already right in our kitchen here at the office, so in almost no time, I blended all of that stuff together. So if you want to get healthy and still drink something delicious, how about this green smoothie? And now you again have one of two reactions just like the first time. But unlike the first time, either of these reactions are far more productive when the goal is to get the resounding yes. First of all, you might say yes. The first outcome might just be that you say, wow, that makes total sense, thank you, this is great, and you happily drink the smoothie. So you might say yes. Second, you might object to something, but that something will now be concrete. If you still don't drink it, you're at least equipped with all the information you need to have an objective and productive conversation with me. Rather than a wholesale nope or a misinformed or gut feel, meh, not for me, you now have all the information you need to understand and communicate to me why exactly you're saying no or assuming it's not for you. For example, maybe you'd point to an ingredient you didn't understand or don't like. Hey, could we take out the kale, Jay? I I hate how bitter that tastes. That is so much better for me to grapple with than a vague or even personal amount of pushback. So I can say, sure, no problem. How about some spinach? Or yeah, we'll just take it out. Or maybe you don't object per se, but instead you now start to see opportunities to build on my thinking. Because now that you understand the thinking and root to the idea, you might want to make the idea better. You know... I see where you're going, Jay, but I don't think this is the exact right approach. And then you can continue to point to a specific, concrete reason as to why. Because again, I've equipped you with the information needed to do so. You might say, see, uh, the blender in our kitchen that you mentioned using, it's not all that great. It won't really make a smoothie smooth. What else can we try? Amazing, boss. Thanks for pointing that out. I'll put together some ideas, or maybe we can talk about upgrading our blender in the company kitchen. And by the way, have I mentioned how swole you're looking lately? When we discuss our ideas with others in our work, we can share our thinking in a more complete way rather than just the idea. In doing so, others never feel like they're at an information disadvantage compared to us. 
Even the most powerful of leaders still don't like feeling that they don't know why your idea should exist, hence some level of skepticism in some cases. But equipping everybody around us, no matter how senior or junior, with more information means that we'll either get the yes or, at very least, we'll have a productive conversation for what it would take to do so. This might seem difficult since it's rather natural for us to simply share the idea without laying out our thinking. So repeat this phrase over and over again to remember the truth. Don't share your ideas, share why your ideas should exist. This approach has some real benefits, not least of which is we'll continue to share our own ideas with confidence even after getting shot down. Why? Because we no longer feel like others don't like us. It was just the idea or maybe the way we explained it that needed some qualifications, some revisiting, or some reworking. We make the communication style less personal by laying out all of our thinking. It's no longer you, the judge of my idea, versus me, the bringer of the idea. Instead, everybody is involved in the thinking process. In other words, we have to make others feel like co-founders of our ideas. We can put our thinking on the board and route to the concept, and together discuss it and improve it. Hey, we're both trying to solve a problem together, and so together, whether physically on the board or just mentally in discussion, the object of our judgment is whether this, this idea and this thinking, is how we should solve the problem we both want to solve. It's not whether any one individual is good or creative. We can stop sharing our ideas and instead share why our ideas should exist. Now, here's the process for doing that, which is ripped out of the smoothie metaphor. Number one, what do they want? The smoothie example, remember last week when you told me you wanted to be healthier? The very first thing we say when we present our ideas is not the idea, it's what others want. If they're a CEO, maybe they want revenue, or to build a defensible, beloved brand. If they're a CMO, maybe they want leads, or to create a differentiated message in the market, or maybe they just want to look good to their boss. Or maybe not, I'm making assumptions here. Step one in being persuasive is to gut check our assumptions to understand, then articulate, what it is the other person actually wants. We tend to hide from that. We're like, okay, I'm going to go into this meeting and I know my boss really just wants to think about leads, but if I don't mention leads, maybe he doesn't bring it up. No, we hide from what people want, but instead we should bring it out into the light. When we state out loud as the very first part of our pitch that we know what the other person wants, we immediately align ourselves with them because we're saying up front, hey, everything I'm about to say is intended to get us what you want. Oh, really? Well, go on then. Number one, what do they want? Number two, what do they believe about getting what they want? The smoothie example, we also laughed about how terrible most health drinks are. Okay, so in addition to what you want, you probably have some assumptions or beliefs about getting it. The other person always has that belief system or assumption or preferred approach, right? So in the example here of the smoothie, you've ruled out healthy drinks as a means to get what you want, which is to be more healthy overall. And why? You believe health drinks are gross. Maybe your boss thinks about, say, podcasts as too saturated, or that video requires a massive budget. Whatever the case, whatever the specific belief about getting that specific desire met, we need to address it in our idea pitch. Without acknowledging those beliefs, we may be aligned with what the other person wants, but we're misaligned about what we think it takes. Again, we have to acknowledge that. 
An easy example comes from my own marketing career. I used to lead the content team at HubSpot, and executives and I both wanted to grow a fiercely passionate audience around our brand, which converted into customers. So why didn't they buy my ideas? I did a poor job explaining to them through the lens of what they believed why my ideas should exist. They believed that shorter form content, SEO focused blog posts were the best way to grow a loyal audience, which converted into customers. Instead of acknowledge that, I tried to hide it. Oh, if I don't bring up SEO, if I don't bring up short form blogging and I pitch my idea for a podcast or a video series or long form essays, maybe they just won't even bring it up and they'll forget about it and, I, and they'll say yes to my ideas. That was pretty dumb of me. Of course, they're going to think about their own beliefs. So if I said to them, hey, if we want to grow our audience and generate customers, we should publish more long form content, more stories and more audio and video. Well, that was a bad pitch. I totally missed their own bias in that pitch. So it fell on deaf ears. We believed in different paths. We wanted the same thing, but believed in different paths. I didn't acknowledge it. And so my idea was dead before I even really voiced it. By articulating the belief that the other person already has, like health smoothies are gross, or short-form SEO content is the best, you're conveying to them, hey, your ideas have value here. You're smart. Your opinions matter. You're a co-founder of this concept. I've taken all of that stuff into account with what I'm about to say. By the way, a caveat here, make sure you actually know what others believe. Don't make an assumption about it. Nothing would kill an idea quite like saying, and I know how much you hate fun, boss. Am I right? Huh? Boss? Why are you making that face? But you know, enough about the time that Larry got fired. Number three, what is your reasoning? The smoothie example? All the stuff that goes into the smoothie itself. Now, we've talked about what they want. We've talked about what they believe about getting what they want. And number three, what is your reasoning here? What are you thinking about? And here we can finally begin to explain ourselves more fully. We started by getting on the same page with the other person or group by articulating what they want and what they believe about getting it. We're now standing shoulder to shoulder as partners, eyeing a problem on the proverbial board. Now let's try to reason our way towards a solution. And that solution should include A, the key data, and B, our unfair advantages. So we're still under category three, what is your reasoning? But you need two pieces of your reasoning key data, and unfair advantages. By the way, data does not mean numbers. It might include numbers, but data is just information stored for later use. That's it. Data can and should include numbers, but also observations you've made about the world, qualitative feedback, including emotions that you've gathered, and more. Complement your analytics with other things. We have a wide range of data available to us. Biases and assumptions aren't removed until we're willing to use all of them. All right, so key data to explain our reasoning. In our smoothie example, this means we listed out the fruits that obviously form the major flavors of the smoothie, but also the vegetables that add nutritional value and the protein powder that improve its its protein contents. I don't know. This metaphor caps out at my like limited knowledge of nutrition here. <laughs> the point is, now you're saying, okay, here's some mango, here's some kale, here's some protein powder, here's all the ingredients that are going into my thinking. Here's all the key data that I've gathered for you. Another part of your reasoning should also include that second bucket of your reasoning, unfair advantages. Just like when I referenced adding some coconut oil to the smoothie, we can go outside our conventional norms and our echo chambers to find ingredients that, once we consider them for a moment, would actually make sense for us to use back in our context. 
In my metaphor, I mentioned that I'd traveled to an island sometime, and I saw a bartender use coconut oil, and I found it delicious. Whatever inspires you, even if it's not directly related to, say, the podcast you're pitching or the video series you're trying to make in your industry, you should still reference it as part of your thinking. It shows that you're willing to be creative and go outside your echo chamber as an investigator. So it could be related to your brand, or far better, it could extend way beyond the realm of what case studies provide you to be inspired by the world instead. Regardless, try to answer the questions, what is our unfair advantage, or what is our unique element or twist here? What would make this refreshingly different? A lot of people probably have the same key data when you laid out all your ingredients to your reasoning. But what fundamental insight have we unearthed that others overlooked? What's our secret ingredient to make this truly special? This part is crucial, but often overlooked. Remember, you're not simply handing someone else any old smoothie, you're trying to delight the crap out of their taste buds with your idea. We don't want to make yet another podcast, we want to impress the hell out of our audience and create passionate superfans. So, why aren't we using some kind of unique identifier, unique differentiator in our reasoning? Alright, that's the third thing, our reasoning. Put down all the key data, all the ingredients, and some unfair advantages, some unique twists that make it worth doing, that make it refreshing in the market. Number one, what do they want? Number two, what do they believe about getting what they want? And number three, all the ingredients of your reasoning. Number four, what resources do we need? The smoothie example? Oh, and by the way, we have a blender in the kitchen already, so in almost no time, we can blend all this stuff together. At this point in our pitch, we're aligned around what people want, we're aligned around the beliefs, or at least we've acknowledged them, and now we've laid out our reasoning, which might affirm or maybe persuade them to think differently about those beliefs, including both the key data and our refreshing twists that give us an unfair advantage. We're almost at the last remaining question in others' minds. I'm with you. I get it. What's this going to cost me or cost us? And yet again, rather than leave this unspoken, we should be proactive about it. They're now so interested because they followed along from the first three things. They want to know, mm, how can I do this? I actually believe this, or I'm close to believing it. And so they're starting to think, how can we do this? Instead of, how is this going to cost us? So what resources do we need? Budget, time, team, knowledge, permission. There are all kinds of ways to make this a more palatable decision for a decision maker that you're talking to. For instance, if you're trying to make a show for your brand, focus on developing the concept, buying some basic tools, and crafting a pilot. That's all it's going to cost us. A concept, some tools, and the pilot. Not 25 episodes or two years worth. After that, if they say yes to that small ask, you can worry about getting a fuller buy-in later. Because by then, they and you will have more information to make a better decision. If that won't work, find budget that's being used, but poorly. Hey, we're running all these banner ads and buying all these print media ads. Do we know what that's doing for us? That's like brand awareness stuff, right? Well, what if we focus less on passive awareness and instead made something that generated a proactive and engaged audience? So not awareness, but affinity for our brands. Why don't we move some of the budget from our paid media over to making this podcast and just try it out for a bit? That's our blender in the company kitchen. We already have something or it won't take much. So by now, we've covered a lot of information, even if it only took like two minutes for you to say. They know we're aligned on what they want, and we've considered what they believe about getting it. They understand our reasoning, 
both the key data and our potential unfair advantages. They now understand what resources this requires. And here, and only here, can we finally reveal our actual idea. Now I'm saying to you, okay, uh, if you want to be healthy, but you've had a bad experience with all those other health drinks out there, then here's what I'm thinking. Ingredient, 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 unfair advantage. And by the way, it won't take much. Here's what it will take. So again, if you want to be healthy, but you've had a bad experience with all those other health drinks out there, then boom, here's a green smoothie. Want to drink it? Look, I get it. This feels like more work. And maybe at first that's actually true. At first, you might find yourself carefully thinking through your talking points every time, or reflecting on how you arrived at an idea that just felt like it hit you. After all, what was the reasoning to get there? And also at first, you might hesitate to just lay out your thinking on the table like that for fear of being too vulnerable in the room. Or maybe you feel like you're just so eager that you jump right to the idea itself. But I promise you, no matter which issue you're encountering to communicate like this, the more you try it, the easier it flows. It just becomes muscle memory. So if you want to make the case for making a show for your brand, or making something better, or changing behavior internally, if you want to pitch an idea and get the yes, whether you report to the CEO, or a marketing leader, or a junior level manager, don't sell ideas. Sell why your ideas should exist. We can avoid the green smoothie problem. We can close that information disadvantage that others feel they're at by giving them the information that they feel they need. And then, and only then, can we ask them, wanna drink it? If we did that, maybe we would finally get the reaction to that question that we actually want in our quest to create better work. (sighs) Wow, that was great. Can I have some more? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it was useful. I hope it can serve you as well as it served me in pitching show ideas to brands, whether you pitch shows or you're doing something else for a living. Uh, And again, if you're listening to this in October 2019, join us on marketingshowrunners.com for Make the Case Month all November long. The best way to do that is subscribe for free. You'll join marketing leaders from brands like Red Bull, Adobe, Salesforce, Roku, MailChimp, and more. Uh, The link is in your show notes to subscribe to MSR. And we're going to send you one email every single week containing all the information you need to participate in Make the Case Month. So that's both content and also exclusive invitations to hang out with me on live video calls to talk through some of these ideas. So marketingshowrunners.com to subscribe or check your show notes. I'll be back at the end of October with the first of two new podcast series, both of which relate to the journey we've been on in this show. So that's why they're going to appear here too. I I can't wait. I've been working so hard behind the scenes. I know I've been a little MIA here, but thank you so much for your patience. And I can't wait to reveal to you all this great content we've been working on. Uh, But until then and continuing on beyond then, I'm Jay Akunzo. Still going to be that same guy when I release these two shows. You get it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show. And I'll talk to you really, really soon with some special new episodes. Can't wait. See ya.